Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley. And I'm going to be honest with you. I actually thought that today's show was going to be very light, and we would spend most of it talking about all the epic reports that we are beginning later this week, because I don't know how this happened, but like every single major report is coming out this week. <laughs> I've never seen this before. In the two years that I've been following very closely these economic reports week over week, uh, it's insane. What is not only just economic data, but housing data. It's like every day there's like a big housing report coming out. So we're going to get to all that, all the big economic releases that are happening later this week at the end of the podcast. But I want to start with what we do have. And we did get, because it was Monday, which means we got the weekly report from Altos Research. And I cannot stress this enough, but the Altos guys were the first to see the major shift in inventory. When inventory disappeared at the start of the year, and they went, oh, no, 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 the housing market's not slowing down. It's going to heat up again. They're the first ones to see it. And then when things changed in March and we started seeing things start to slow down, they were the first ones to see those inventory levels begin to rise. And so when it comes to inventory and inventory trends, I cannot recommend data that is better than this. I mean, they have seen every single swing and shift in inventory levels. And that is why their latest report, I think, is so important because inventory levels are continuing to grow. We know that, right? Inventory levels are on the rise. But, and Altos mentioned this last week, they were the first ones to mention this. The increases in inventory are smaller than they have been for the last couple of weeks, if not months. And so this week we saw a 3.3% increase. Inventory levels are now at about 525,000 single family homes are on the market. But this was the third week in a row of 3% week over week growth. So I think we saw 3.25, 3.6. They've all been kind of around that level these last couple of weeks. And that's important because when inventory levels first started picking up in March, they were around 3%. And then around April, they kicked up. And then April, May, and June, we saw five, six, seven, even 8% week over week, week over week increases. And now that number has fallen down to under 4% for the last three weeks. And I think it's also important to note that price reductions continue to climb 34.8% as sellers probably are having a hard time adjusting to the realization that it's no longer three months ago and that things have calmed down and that there's competition out there and that while it's still probably a seller's market in the grand scheme of things, buyers are getting a little bit of negotiating power and sellers probably need to realize this, that you can't go on Zillow, look and see what your Zillow estimate is and then add 20% and then hope you're going to get another 20% above that offer. Those days are gone. You can wave goodbye to them. <laughs> it's still a hot housing market. Like I said, an overall scheme of things, but it seems like things have cooled off from where we were just a few months ago and it happened quickly. 
and I think a lot of sellers probably have not caught on to this, but here's what's interesting. Price has barely moved. The median price of a single family home was down 0.2%, just $1,000 to 450,000. And then the price of new listings was actually up 1.8% to $408,000. So we're seeing a slowdown in inventory. We're seeing prices for the most part, really not moving. And it's showing that while we are seeing an increase in inventory and the housing market is slowing down, it's nowhere near the argument that is being made by many of the crash bros out there. You know, you have people who are looking at these inventory levels and they're seeing them rise and they're going, oh my gosh, if we continue on this pace, which I mean, let's face it, we're looking at 7% week over week increases in inventory. If you annualize that, that's 350%. That is a tremendous jump, jump in inventory levels. If that were to continue, that would have had a major impact on the market. And yes, we could be talking about a housing crash, but that's not what's happening. Instead, we are looking at now 3%. And sure, annualize that, that's what? 150%. That's a big jump, but it's nowhere near the 300 or so percent you'd think we'd be seeing if it was a 7% week over week increase this makes more sense when you're looking at all time low levels of inventory, like we saw in January, a hundred percent increase would put us about where we probably should be with regards to inventory. And in fact, Altos is still arguing that at the end of the year, we're still only going to be seeing about 550 homes on market, 550,000 homes on market versus the about a million that you'd want to see. And that's because, a lot of people who were thinking about selling are at maybe they're thinking, Hey, maybe we'll sell in September or October or wherever. And they're like, Oh, we better sell now because the market's starting to cool. And so you're pulling forward a lot of future inventory and putting it out there right now. And then on top of it, you're hearing about builders, they're starting to slow. And so that's going to mean less inventory than a lot of these people, especially the crash bros, the ones who are like, Oh, if this pace, of increase continues, the housing market's gonna crash, but it's not. It's starting to slow. Three weeks in a row, we have been under 4% week over week increases. And that's why Altos is saying, end of the year, 550,000. And right now we're at 525, that's not a big increase. There's still buyers out there. When homes are listed properly, they are selling very quickly. That was all in this week's Altos report which by the way, you can get if you subscribe to my companion morning newsletter, which you can sign up for at marketsandmortgages.com. Now, speaking of data that can be cherry picked and I think used improperly, we also got a report on Monday from Black Knight looking at delinquencies and foreclosures. Now, I love the delinquency and foreclosure data because you can tell the legitimacy of a report by how they use this data. And a lot of times what they're gonna tell you is they're gonna look at percentages and they're gonna look at these big jumps by looking at the percentages saying, oh, we're seeing 40, 50, 60% jumps in foreclosure activity. That is a sign the housing crash is coming. But of course, just like inventory levels, foreclosure levels 
were at historic lows. And so, of course, once the moratorium was lifted and we're starting to see a slowdown in the economy, you're going to see foreclosure and delinquency activity rise. But the question is, is it high relative to all-time lows or is it high relative to normal activity? That is the key. And this latest report found that the national delinquency rate rose nine basis points to 2.84% after hitting consecutive record lows in each of the prior three months. Hmm. Doesn't sound like a big jump to me. (laughs) If we were, we're only up nine basis points from historic lows. What about foreclosures? Foreclosure starts were also up. They were up 27% in June, which is, get ready for this, 441% higher year over year. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the the uh, Armageddon is coming for the housing market. Oh, I, I wish I was a crash bow right now. Well, I never want to be one of them, but if I was, I could be getting all, I could be, you know, having all kinds of graphics, things blowing up and, and things falling and oh my you know, arrows going down. Everything is red. This is the worst thing ever, but here's what's important to remember. So it's up 441% year over year. Holy crap. That's a big jump. But what is it in comparison to say normal times like pre pandemic still down 40%. (laughs) So it's almost half of where it is during a normal housing market half oh but that 441 percent number looks scary (laughs) so you better be worried about a housing crash um starts are also represented the highest share four percent of serious delinquencies since march 2020 but less than half the rate in the years leading up to the pandemic (laughs) so i this is an important report because, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to see a rise in foreclosures and delinquencies. That's going to happen because the the housing market is normalizing. At least that's what we're all hoping is going to be happening, starting to normalize. But it's important to remember that when you're comparing what's happening, the latest data, when you compare it to the historic lows that we saw thanks to legislation and just sort of changes to the housing market, the numbers are going to seem very exaggerated. And people are going to use that data to try and trick you into thinking the housing market's collapsing when in reality, we're still seeing foreclosure activity and delinquencies at below a normal housing market. Not like below 2008, below a normal, regular housing market. Half of that. Tell me when we start getting above that and then we will collectively worry about a housing slowdown, okay? All right. All right. Real quick here uh, before we get into what's going to be happening this week, because there's a lot of data to get to. There was an interesting study out from the Census Bureau that I mean, this impacts housing. There's no doubt about this. And that's why I think this is an important study. The study found that by the age of 26, more than two thirds of young adults in the United States lived in the same area where they grew up. 80 percent had moved less than 100 miles and 90% resided less than 500 miles away. And I mean, that's pretty fascinating because, you know, I mean, I'm someone who, you know, I grew up in DC and now I live in Wilmington, North Carolina. 
and that's over 100 miles. <laughs> so I am in like that small 20%, uh, but I'm not 500 miles away from where I grew up. So I'm not in the top 10%. But it's amazing. 80% of people live within 100 miles of the place where they grew up. And so, you know, this, it's interesting because you're seeing these migratory patterns throughout the United States. People leaving California, for example, leaving the North. And, you know, obviously a lot of that's retirees, people who can work from home. But you have to wonder how many young people are following their parents. So let's say their parents retire. Are the, are the kids staying in those areas or are they following the parents? It looks like they're staying because they are, you know, 80% of them are less than a hundred miles. <laughs> so the parents might be coming down South, but the uh, kids are uh, staying up North, obviously. Well, someone's got to buy those houses. They're selling for crazy amounts. <laughs> Someone has to be buying. They're the ones, they're the ones that are buying the homes. All right. So like I said, big, big week with regards to economic reports. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it, 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 I've never seen this much data. It, it really is nuts. So let's start with what's happening today. We got the case Shiller report, you know, the gold standard when it comes to housing, which is always combined with the FHFA (laughs) Home Price Index Report. Uh, Both really important points, but obviously the case Shiller gets the most attention. They expect the year-over-year index to decline to 20.8% for the 20-city index. So it's like about 0.4% drop. So still, though, above 20%. Now, that's the... 20 city index. So maybe the major index may actually, the national index might fall fall below 20% based on these numbers. We will see in just a little bit of time. Uh, at 10 a.m., we're going to be getting the new home sales data, which is expected to fall 4.6%. And then also at 10 a.m., we're getting consumer confidence, which is projected to fall to 97.3%. So that's just today. So we got three big housing reports and then consumer confidence. Then on Wednesday, normally we get mortgage demand in rates, but then at 10 a.m. we're getting pending home sales, which are projected to fall 1.5%. And then at two o'clock, the big decision by the Federal Reserve, the Federal Open Market Committee is expected to raise rates by 75 basis points. We'll see. We haven't heard anything. There could be, you know, some people have said it might be a full point. We haven't heard anything. And, it, and by this point, the last rate hike, you know, Nick Timoros over at the Wall Street Journal had come out with that article saying that there were rumors that the 75 basis points were going to be happening because everyone at the time thought it was going to be 50 bips. He was one that floated the idea of 75. It was clearly a leak from the Federal Reserve, and then they raised him 75. We've heard nothing about a full point. So 75 looks like it will be the number. And then, of course, at 2.30, we get the press conference from Jerome Powell. So a lot of housing data to start the week on Tuesday and Wednesday with pending home sales. Then on Thursday, we get the big, this is big, and everyone's already talking about it 
are we going to see two negative quarters of GDP? First quarter was negative. This is the first estimate, the advanced estimate for the second quarter of 2022. The last projection I saw, the official, I think was about 0.4%. So it was slightly up. However, we're hearing the White House believes the number is actually going to be negative, which would be two negative quarters of GDP. But now all of a sudden we're hearing this debate about how two negative quarters aren't officially a recession. The official decision is made by, I believe, the National Bureau of Economic Research. They're the ones that make the determination of whether or not we're in a recession. And now there's this big debate about are we in a recession or not? <laughs> Which, to be honest here, as someone who is you know, in political talk radio for so long, it's the dumbest decision or the dumbest argument ever because it really doesn't matter. It, it literally does not matter. I mean, if you're someone who's struggling to pay your bills, struggling to buy food because of inflation, you're worried about whether your job's gonna be here or whatever, do you care if it's like officially a recession or not? Are you gonna all of a sudden go, oh my, we're not in a recession? Oh, okay, well now I can pay my bills. See, I thought we were in a recession, so I couldn't pay my bills, but now that we are, I'm good. I'm going to find some extra money now. <laughs> like you're still not going to be able to pay your bills. You're still going to be upset. And if you're someone who's doing fine and aren't feeling the impacts of inflation and someone goes, oh, we're in a recession, you're going to be like, oh no, well, I guess I better pull back on my spending. You're already doing it or you're not. You already feel a way or not. You can't tell someone through data how they feel about the economy. They feel a certain way or not. It's that simple. So it's the stupidest debate. It will literally change nothing, whether or not it is an official recession or not. It, it doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter. Um, all right, so then on Friday, so that's Thursday. We also got initial jobless claims expected to rise to 253,000. We'll get mortgage rates from Freddie Mac on Thursday. And then Friday, we got personal spending and income, which are projected to rise by 0.9% and 0.5% respectively. We get Michigan's consumer sentiment, which is projected to rise to 51.1. And then we get, I mean, it's just crazy. PCE data, PCE price index, which is the preferred inflation gauge of the Federal Reserve. Prices are expected to rise to 6.7 from 6.3% the prior month. So not as high as the CPI, but rising nonetheless, and that is the preferred gauge of the Federal Reserve. So, man, whew, I'm just tired just saying all this stuff. <laughs> it's going to be a crazy week, and we are going to be talking about all of it right here on Markets and Mortgages. So I got to catch my breath and get ready for the craziness that is this week with regards to economic data. I will talk to you guys on Wednesday for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.